Welcome to Let Me Know How It Is, a pop culture podcast about TV, movies, comics, and all things geek. We're looking back today at some of animation's best projects that never happened. Thanks for listening. Alright, this episode is a follow-up to last week's How Did This Get Made Animation Edition. Only this time we're talking about projects that were never made. I'm Zach Slater. I'm Frank Melman. This is Tommy Smithereens. And I'm Clifton. So, okay, so I want to start out by saying uh, this topic can get big and out of control quickly when you start factoring in rumors and like what I would like to do and stuff like that. So we were very careful to only talk about things that we know were either pitched or in development at some point. Uh, we've assembled this list from creator interviews, press releases, podcasts, that sort of thing. In researching these, sometimes the reason for the project not moving forward is unknown. We'll detail that information, certainly if we have it. But in a few instances, uh, we're going to have to leave you guys in the dark because we're in the dark. So we're going to go with our first category, which is the pitch stage. And we're going to start off with Disney. And we're going to say Disney had a pitch uh, for the Haunted Mansion as an animated TV series from Tyndall, who later went on to uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. Oh, wow. Yeah. So word is he was uh, working at Disney for uh, at this point and had assembled this as, as a pitch and actually put together like some test footage that actually went around to people. And like he was in love with this idea, like researched the, the, the ride to such a degree, <laughs> like 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 really wanted to get into like some of the ghost characters that appeared in the ride as well. Like even went in to find like they were, they were all super excited about one that was like pulled from the ride at for a couple of years. No, oh, wow. at some point, yeah. like a, like a secret villain, like yeah. a big reveal. Yeah. So, um, this one just looked really, really awesome. And, uh, this one kind of heartbreaks me a little bit because, um, I'm not into horror movies that much. Although our engineer disagrees with me yeah. on that. He thinks I'm into, I'm into it and I don't know it. Um, <laughs> but I am into it in TV animation because it is, it is like a, it's a different flavor of things right. to do kind of horror in a kid friendly way. I think is super interesting. Yeah. You know, and there's not all that much of it out there. No, no, there's really not. So we will of course post the, um, the proof of concept on let me know how it is .com which we'll do with other stuff with, you know, animation art and, you know, any pitch art for stuff that we can find. What year was this pilot? What, what year are we talking about that this pitch was, was being talked about? The interview was posted in 2018, <laughs> but I don't know how long ago. This was some time ago. Cause this was definitely like he left to work on Kubo. Okay. At, so which in that movie was what, 20, 2015, 2016. Right. So yeah. And I don't think he's at Disney anymore either. Right. I think he's still, he's, he's off working on other things, but you know, if you look at these, you know, these articles on uh sci-fi channel and stuff like that, like he's, he, he, he'll go back in a minute to work on <laughs> <Right>. this. <laughs> to do on imagine. Yeah. So it was a good ride. I did the Disney world version. Never okay. went to Disneyland, but <laughs> I did enjoy it. I can definitely like feel there's some story there. Yeah, no, I think in uh, I think that um, 
he he was approaching it from the idea of of you know it's a the character was at a moment of going through a personal loss and that was going to kind of be like the universal aspect that everybody has gone through that at some point and mm-hmm. he was interested in making the main character's interaction with the ghost like a necessity for that character like like okay. like they needed um they needed the haunted mansion for for something it was a means to an end for them so it was like their purgatory like their unfinished business <laughs> i guess so <laughs> <laughs> so no i just think this one sounds super super cool okay but so we'll move on because this is a long list there's a lot of really cool stuff yep. on this list um Okay, so I'm going to throw out um, one that we admittedly don't know very much about, but to me still sounds very, very cool, and I wish it happened. So uh, this, is, this is a show called Joe Grunt. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find much about this one. What was this about? I dug and dug and dug like crazy trying to find stuff about this. So the story with this one is, is... After Batman, the animated series, Spielberg was a fan of that show and went to the guys that worked on Batman and said, I kind of want to do an action adventure show with you guys, put together a bunch of pitches and I'll pick one and we'll go with it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the idea was, is that a bunch of the Batman animated series guys, they all kind of split up into different groups and came up with a whole bunch of different ideas. Right. Right. Um, Eric Radomski and Ronnie Del Carmen came up with this one, which was supposed to be just like it's just described as like a futuristic action adventure show. Mm. Right. But supposedly this is the one that Spielberg loved, like loved, loved, loved this idea and wanted to do it. Okay. But the problem was, is that Jamie Kellner, who was the head of WB animation at the time, didn't like this idea. (laughs) Okay. And thought that it ran a little like kind of too adult friendly and not, not kid friendly enough. Okay. Right. And so the show that ended up getting greenlit instead of this show was Freakazoid. Uh, okay. <laughs> right. Sure. Okay. They sound very different. Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently also Freakazoid, uh, out of, out of the, you know, out of the mouth of Bruce, Tim was, you know, supposed to be a little bit more straightforward as a teenage superhero, kind of in the vein of Spider-Man and the creeper okay. like mixed together. And then as meetings went on, it became more and more of a comedy. It became wackier and wackier. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. But it's just like this episode, this, this idea fascinates me. I mean, this is the Batman animated series guys, like in the height of their power, right? It's like 96. Mm-hmm. Right. Right doing an original concept which i mean now there's like there's like space adventure stuff all over tv but at the time in 96 right not a lot of it you know mm-hmm. plus spielberg like thrown into the mix like i'm super like on, on top of the fact that you get like occasionally like i saw on, on twitter like paul dini was asked about this one time and mm-hmm. he was like like whether or not he was involved with it he's like i wasn't i was a fan like the, the development art was beautiful, but I offered the right episodes if it got picked up. <laughs> and so like, I'm just fascinated with the mystique of this thing and I can't find like no production art about it. Yeah, nothing. Right. When you, when you Google this, what comes up is the GI Joe. Joe right. Grunt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Joe Grunt. Yeah, yeah. I got that too. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm glad we got Freakazoid as a result, but still. Yeah, we are all Freakazoid fans. That is like the the twist of some of the things we're talking about. Is some of the stuff like as cool as it sounds, it didn't happen, and then stuff we like did happen. So yeah. it's a yeah. tricky situation. You'll start to see patterns as 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 this goes on. But yes, but uh, I'll ask all of you out there if you guys find anything about Joe Grunt, please, please hit us up because I want to see this stuff. This is the one that I keep <laughs> hoping will get revisited at some point. Yes, Joe Grunt is on a milk carton somewhere. In the animated universes. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's move on. So this is, this is kind of a big one we'll do next. Maybe some of you have heard about this. Um, no, we're not kidding. Uh, Gotham High. <laughs> <laughs> How is this going to work exactly? This was a pitch by Jeffrey Thomas and Celeste Green. I'm not exactly sure when, but the first reports of this one came out and in the art, the pitch art that they had prepared for it came out around 2011. So it was definitely before then, uh, if not right before then, a little bit before then. And it was just going to be like all of the like Batman and all of the rogues gallery as teenagers in high school in Gotham. (laughs) Okay. And, and there is art, that they prepared um, that as like teenage Joker and Harley and <laughs> Penguin and I think that's I think like it's Croc in like a sports jersey. Yep. Two Face. <laughs> yep. Yep. Poison Ivy like on a debate stage running mm-hmm. for class president. So it's kind of DC superhero girls before DC superhero girls. Right. Yeah. I was going to bring right. that up too, as, as something that you notice that happens in, uh, and I did hear Paul Dini talk about this where like something's pitched and then they don't get it. And then 10 years later, like another pitch comes along. That's a similar flavor. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden the studio is ready for it then. So okay. you see kind of resurgences and yeah. It is. It it does sound like a, a spiritual, what would have been a spiritual predecessor to what became DC Superhero Girls, which is basically that, but set in Metropolis. Mm-hmm. Mm. But definitely similar to to the different DC Superhero Girls series that there have been so far. The two different versions of that that have existed. Right. the The pitch art for this is really cool, though. It's really like like it, it's it 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 is a goofy idea when you hear it, but it is cool to see all the characters and how they would fit like sort of as a high school archetype. Right. Right. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got like the jocks, you got the, the goth. Mm-hmm. Yep. The Joker's misfit. got the baggy pants. Yep. <laughs> the guy running for class president, right? Like <laughs> that's two face running for class president yep. against poison Ivy in one of the, the pitch arts. <laughs> no, I was going to say it reminded me of X-Men evolution. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, in which oh, there's um, some of that to it you too. get that same concept, but with X Men, right? Mm-hmm. But it's more, I guess, school based and less um, punching the bad guy theme, right? I thought there was. Does anyone know, Clifton? You know if there was? I thought I saw an ad for one of their um, their YA novels with the same sort of concept. It is, but it's by different people. Okay, is that what it is? Okay, uh, they have more recently done uh, a Gotham High young adult aimed graphic novel, but. Uh. That one is uh, from author Melissa De La Cruz and illustrator Thomas Patilli. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, they they really like again like a similar idea came up and then and at a later point they were ready for it. Mm. Yeah, because I like I like I haven't seen all of the DC the Lauren Faust DC superhero girls, but what I've seen I like and I mm-hmm. like the idea that everyone's like in high school together trying to 
coexist and be superheroes at the same time. Yeah, I've seen most of at least most of it. It's a fun show. It's mm. a fun idea. Like I was ready for it back when when I first heard about the Gotham High pitch and then eventually get something similar. I was definitely happy to see that idea be explored. Yeah, it's too bad. I I kind of deep down wish that this happened a little <laughs> bit. Like like just for a season at the very least, you know. I just think it would have been fun. Right. Maybe we'll get it as an animated movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um just to warn everybody too, there's going to be a lot of DC stuff on here. <laughs> um, I just think, I, I mean, I, I was looking at like as to why, like, but I just feel like that they, they've been steadily making stuff for ever since 91. You know, like they like DC and Warner Brothers has not really taken a, a lapse in producing stuff, even even with all the stuff that we're going to get into that never happened. They still had a ton of stuff that that made it out, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. So that being said, uh, Superman family was a pitch that yes. was uh, floating around. I, I saw this initially like on um, from uh, Chun from Cheeks Galloway that he had talked about that he put up some artwork, I believe, either on Twitter or on Facebook that showed a super fam Superman family show done with his style of art. And it was, it was, you know, Superman and Lois and John Kent and Crypto. And I believe they wanted what, uh, the one that's out of the one that oh, they basically the, rolled that out of New 52. From the Gene Yang book? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Like that, he, he, there, and then there was also talk of including, um, Steele's niece. Kong Keenan. Yes. Is, was that's the, the character. one you're talking about. Yeah. That yeah. character. As well as in, Natasha Irons as Steel. Or, you know, mm. her version of Steel as well. And I think they even talked about, I thought I remember somewhere in an interview, he's talked about including like Tracy 13 and some of that stuff that was around that time. Okay. But it was supposed to be more of a, um, a lighter, you know, like not, not quite. So it's in between like kids and, and teens where it was kind of supposed to be um, more of a modern take on like some of the goofier Silver Age type stuff, which I love. Mm. I, I was really loved to seeing this because um, I love Silver Age Superman. You know, some of my favorite Superman stuff, all the Kurt Swan stuff. Right. Also, it was him and Vinton. I never know how to say the guy's name. Vinton T. Huck. Yeah, Vinton Huck mm -hmm. or Vinton Huck. We're not sure. Yeah, we're not sure. That, but Vinton Huck. Yeah. But they had, they had pitched it to DC. And then, like I said, I've only seen that a couple pieces of art. One's like a very standard family shot of them, like taking a picture of like the, you know, Superman, Lois, and John and Crypto. And the other one is, is basically like a group shot of all the different characters that they were possibly going to include. Mm hmm. Yeah, uh, Vinton says he came up with it while directing on season three of Young Justice and drew mm. some pitch art that was basically an animation-friendly version of Superman Rebirth yeah. that was going on in comics at the time. It also said it was, I know it's supposed to be like, it's supposed to be very Silver Age-ish. It also reminded me of the recent um, uh, Patrick Gleason and um, Peter Tomasi Superman book. Okay. Mm. Like that book had a lot, you know, had a very similar feel. I think I've talked about it before, the idea that it, it should have just been called Superman Family because it's all of them, you know, doing superhero stuff together or dealing with stuff as, you know, as a family, basically. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, I would have loved to have seen this. Yeah. This, uh, this sounds almost like a Brave and the Bold Superman. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. A little bit. Just not necessarily a, a team up. Mm -hmm. But if it happened, they would have gotten to that. 
I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I would, I mean, again, I, I, I even if it, if it evolved into like a DC Comics Presents mm-hmm. type setup where they had Superman teaming up with superheroes, different superheroes every week or every month or whatever. Okay. I would have been fine with that too. But this, again, I, I think the, the premise as it is sounded really, really strong. And they did have stuff in mind for Damien. Yeah. So, they could have the, so you could have the Super Sons team up. Yeah. And we were big fans of both, both Sean Galloway Cheeks mm-hmm. and Vincent Hook. Love his directing and, and the stuff he's worked on. And he's directed yep. some great episodes of Young Justice and Harley Quinn. So, I mean, this, this would have been a ton of fun to see. Yeah. This one hurts a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the one of the cheeks drawings has this little John Superboy wearing jeans with a patch on him. Mm-hmm. It's adorable. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's also that like, you know, we talk about spectacular Spider-Man so much and he was the primary designer on that show. Cheeks was. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it's like I've always been aching for his like return mm-hmm. to animation. I always wanted something to look like his style because I really like it. And I think he's a fun designer. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. So if he's out there, I hope he gets another crack at a show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully this one. But okay. So I have also another really, really fun one that I'm heartbroken. This never happened. So uh, this is back in 2008. It was, uh, it was pitched by Tom Ruger of like Animaniacs and Tiny Toons and those kind of shows. And he had a show called Mixed Nuts with a Z. Okay. <laughs> And he pitched it as it was a Looney Tunes, Hanna-Barbera crossover series. Oh, wow. (laughs) And for the life of me, I don't understand how this never happened. Hmm. Like, I don't need I don't need to hear anymore. No, that's it. This is all I need. This is it sounds like Marvel team up. Yeah. Like, (laughs) like, are are you kidding me? Like, like Bugs Bunny teaming up with Yogi Bear. Right. (laughs) Sure. Done. Yeah. yeah, I'd never heard anything about this one before. Right. Did you find it? Was there any art done for it? There is, yeah, there was a little bit of art done for it. It's like, you know, like Bugs Bunny with Fred Flintstone in the Flintstone car and stuff. Oh, like it looked, it all looked really fun. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That sounds oh. really cool. Oh, God. I want to know what motherless jerk kept this from all of us. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Oh, no, that's, God. That sounds like. That sounds like it's the easiest yes in the world, I would think. I know, right? Wouldn't you? It just must have been a, like, my only thing is it must have been a, a, um, just the idea of having, I mean, how would you make that work? Like, I mean, that's my thing. And not creatively, I just mean from the idea of behind the scenes of. Oh, creatively, I was like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think creatively would be the problem. I think there's a lot, you know, sit in a writer's room and you get a bunch of ideas. But I, I'm just saying from the idea of, you know, the two, the two companies mixing it up. Yeah. Well, I mean, Warner Brothers well, two owns subsidiaries them. of Warner Brothers. Right. Yeah. I'm just saying that's what more along what I mean is the idea of, you know, making all that fit. I mean, with Elmer Fudd hunting Yogi Bear. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Sure. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. Got any more? <laughs> Who wouldn't want to see Yosemite Sam and Quick Draw McGraw? My God, Frank. <laughs> How did you know I was thinking Quick Draw McGraw in my head? I don't know. I don't know. But that's the one I thought of. I was oh. like, that would be amazing. I'd love to yep. see that. That would be, ah, man, that'd be so good. Oh, yep. I hope this happens. Mm-hmm. I hope that this comes out. Come on, Hulu. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jetsons, you know, Jetsons and Marvin the Martian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, again, this practically writes itself. So yeah. I'm like, again, that must be, it must have been somebody's ego that got in the way of this <laughs> happening. 
somebody doesn't like cartoons is what yes. it is. That's what yes. I think. It's what I and think. Fun. And fun. Yeah. And fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no fun. No cartoons. Yeah. I thought you guys would all love this one because I'm like, again, I'm, I'm just, it's beyond my comprehension how this didn't get like instant green light. Sure. <laughs> you of know? course. But, uh, okay. All right. So we are going, um, to, uh, a street fighter show <laughs> that at <laughs> least had way. some art for it. Yeah. Right. Clifton, you could back me up on this one. So this was by the great Joaquin Dos Santos. Correct. Mm. AKA sometimes known as Dr. Fight. <laughs> I did among, not know that. Among the animation that that's, fan that's group because, because his choreography of fights and animation is always awesome. Sure. Okay. That's true. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. I just didn't know that it was a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on. What are, you, what are you kidding me? Those fights with Black Canary and Wildcat and Justice League? Right? <laughs> sure. He no, did not, those again, episodes. Like, not disputing it. I'm just saying. I didn't realize it was an actual nickname. I think I would get along great with him. I do. Just watching his stuff, he he in the same head like me both likes MMA and professional wrestling. I can tell. I can tell from the choreography. I know it. Because you have arm bars and and like German suplexes. Yeah. <laughs> like Kurt Angle German suplexes. I love right. it. Anyway. So yeah, but he had done some some pitch art for a Street Fighter show called Warrior's Dawn. Mhm. Mm mhm. Which you know, if you've ever seen his art style, it's great. Like, again, I don't know who doesn't want to do this from him. <laughs> right. You're going to get awesome fights out of it. Yeah, I mean, this one, we like he spoke about himself. So it is mm. it is direct information on this one. What's not clear is like how far this actually pitched. What he says is uh, he posted in 20 in February of 2018 an image of uh, from Street Fighter Warriors Dawn. And said, this is an old piece for a Street Fighter animated pitch I was dreaming about some years back, right around the time Korra was rapping, tentatively called Street Fighter Warriors Dawn. Could slash would have been so fun, one day hopefully, total dream project. Hmm. Fingers crossed. So hopefully, yes. Definitely <laughs> hopefully, because right. I would love to see it. Yeah. Unfortunately, what we're going to have to do is have to wait for like another Street Fighter video game, which... <laughs> It's been like 30 years and we're up to what, five? That number doesn't seem right. We should we should be up to like 13 or 14 by now. Right. Right. Um, or or somebody's gonna have to do a Street Fighter movie again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, before which, you know, we'll get into this more in the episode. Like, uh, it helps. It helps get something off the ground. <laughs> right. Well, I mean it's it's possible if if the Mortal Kombat reboot, you know. Reimagining does well. There's no, there's no reason why we couldn't think we'd get something Street Fighter. Right. Yeah. If it does well on HBO Max this month. Yes. <laughs> okay. So back to DC really quick. Uh, we got, uh, uh, there was a, a Nightwing show that was very mm -hmm. briefly being pitched by uh, Ki-Huan Ryu. I hope I'm saying right. that name right. He was a character designer on Legend of Korra and Boondocks. Right. So another connection to Legend of Korra crew. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. And um, not a whole lot is known about this one, but there is art that you can find online for this. And the designs are really, really cool. I think um, it is. It is kind of Legend of Korra style, a little bit more that uh, than Boondocks. If you're going by, uh, you know, the two shows that we know him from. Right. 
Um, and I think there's a Raven design for it as well. So she would have been at least a supporting character, guest star capacity. We don't, like mm-hmm. I said, we don't know a whole lot. Um, supposedly the reason this didn't happen was that they decided to go with Young Justice. Ah. Okay. Right? But still a cool one. I love Nightwing. I know I'm not alone. Right. <laughs> it can be very cool. So, and then I'm just going to drop these in here too because uh, I don't think we'll ever have an episode to really talk about them. Okay. Uh, I'm a huge Golden Age animation fan. Right. Uh, and specifically like wartime animation stuff. And supposedly Disney had a couple of wartime shorts that were, that never happened, but they talk about it, at least in a book that came out in 95, it was called the Disney that never was. And it had stories and arts from five decades of unproduced animation. I don't have this book, but, but I tripped on the, I tripped over this online. And so apparently they had one called the square world that (laughs) was going to be, it was pitched around the idea of, of demonstrating the conformist society of Nazi, of Nazi Germany. Okay. Right. Again, very loose, but I've seen a lot of these wartime Disney stuff and and they can be like really abstract and kind of broad. But at the same time, like there's there's such a. For Disney, there's such an edge to these cartoons, especially like if you're watching like the Chicken Little one, which I don't Mm. even know if you could find that online, but it's it's, you know, sounds happy and nice like a kid's thing that you would right. expect from disney and oh oh it's dark <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's and it's one of the reasons i love these but yeah this one i'm not familiar with at all oh really i'll try yeah. i'll try and find it and put it i don't i don't know if like you know i i doubt that this stuff is on disney plus i don't know that they're that they like they put out a dvd set of right. all the wartime stuff a couple of years ago but I think that's been the only time in recent memory that this stuff has been circulated by them. Okay. So, but, but they had also another one that they were calling democracy, which was going to be comparing democracy to Nazi Germany through a family called named the Joneses. So I guess that we were going to see them on either side, Mm. (laughs) which, you know, I just think it sounds cool. Okay. And apparently they were also planning the gremlins, the raw doll book. Right. They wanted to make it to a film in 1943. Right. That was, that did make it into shorts, right? Um, cause I've seen those creatures animated somewhere. I thought Warner made it into shorts. Yeah. There was that's in some right. Bugs, Bugs Bunny, Bunny cartoons. Yeah. yeah. Where they're like, where they've got the mallet and they're banging on missiles on the bombs. Yeah. They, they <laughs> did do that a one. children's right. book on the yeah, ground. Disney the book. did. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say maybe like 2009. Right. That I think it came right. out. Yeah. But yeah. And, and apparently it was a limited production thing. I think there was only like 3000 copies of it printed. Okay. Which, which I didn't know, but yeah. Um, so, so that's kind of the closest thing that we'll get to the movie is at least that book, but right. it just sounded super cool. And yeah, you know, seemed like my only chance to talk about wartime shorts <laughs> from <laughs> Disney. So I wanted to throw it in there. So, Okay, but so we're going to close out this category really quick um, with Paul Dini, who on uh, his old podcast, uh, Radio Rashi, was talking about some unmade projects and some 
some things that were in development. And apparently he had pitched long before the DC Nation block on Cartoon Network. Mm-hmm. He had he had pitched something called DC Showcase. Right. That was sounded virtually exactly like what we ended up getting. Yeah. Like what I mentioned before when Paul Dini was talking about like that that happens where, you know, a pitch will get passed on. And then sometime later, you'll see the studio basically embrace something very similar. This was what he was directly referencing was that uh, around the time of when DC Nation was on, which was the early 2010s, which was the Saturday morning block that would run on Cartoon Network and it would have Young Justice and uh, Green Lantern, the animated series and uh, Beware the Batman later. Mm -hmm. And then would have interstitial stuff in the middle, like shorts of other characters and things Mm -hmm. uh, that he had pitched something either identical or very similar about 10 years earlier called DC showcase, which uh, he had pitched it as to spotlight different characters from all over DC comics and lots of different styles. And a few that he mentioned was Bruce Tim did art for angel and ape. Oh, wow. <laughs> and Lynn Naylor did art for Supergirl. And then uh, some of the other characters they had stuff in mind for was Aquaman, but it was going to be like a young boy Aquaman growing up. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And then yeah. Zatanna and Martian Manhunter. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I mean, Paul Dini yeah. and Zatanna. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you got Martian it. Manhunter, though. Hey, Frank, huh? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Another Martian Manhunter project that never, never comes to light. Awesome. Oh, yeah. I love those. Yep. Story of your life, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. That's cool. But yeah, I mean, I'd love to see the stuff they did for those. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So this is a perfect segue to our to our next category. So this is this is projects that were actively in development at one point and then pff, didn't happen right. for one reason or another. <laughs> so we're going to use DC Nation as our through line. And I, I can hear all the listeners groan right now when I say this, if they hadn't already known about it. But Gendy Tartakovsky from Samurai Jack fame. And Dexter's Laboratory. And Dexter's Laboratory, right? Mm-hmm. Was developing a series of Superman shorts for DC Nation. <laughs> Great. Yeah. <laughs> would have loved to have seen that. Yes. Those would have been nice. Right? Uh, some very, very, um, I'll, say, I'll say broad concept art for this. Mm-hmm. I believe done by Scott Wills, who is his like constant frequent collaborator, who's a background painter on, you know, all of his shows, Symbiotic right. Titan, Samurai Jack, like all of his, right. all of the, the new stuff. He's on Primal. His yeah, current I show. love his backgrounds. His stuff's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, his stuff's amazing. So he had done some key art for these that, again, we'll, we'll find and we'll put up on let me know how it is dot com. But, oh, I, I, I wish time machines existed <laughs> just for this just for this oh right. my god i want so bad like that rick and morty like i could watch tv from other dimensions right just right, to watch course. these yeah right. i mean do we know did did time just run out on these like were these slated to happen before they around the time they wrapped up dc nation and decided to stop that project i that sounds familiar i believe that that might have been the case that they were just like it was just happening on the tail end of, of the block right. when it was sort of like in its last days. I mean, just, I can't imagine another reason to, to turn down a Gendy Superman. 
I just can't understand. I can't picture any other reason being the cause. Yeah. Yeah. I can't either. I mean, he hasn't been near this stuff ever since then. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I, I hope that it's not like, not like the only chance that we've missed the boat and now we'll never see him ever touch these characters, but (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know. (sighs) That one hurts. You want to know which (laughs) you all know which one hurts also? Mm. Greg Weissman and Brandon Vietti on uh, Space Ghost. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, again, I look for this and other than the, the, that it was going, it was, but it was in production, right? So they were, it was in development. It was in development. development. I'm sorry, in development. So, but was there any art? Was there anything for it? No, I don't know how far along in development they got. In, okay. There's a, at a panel, again, like 10 years ago, I think it was around 2012, a panel, it's uh, Greg Weissman is on a panel with Steven Siegel from Man of Action, Chris Oatley from Disney, and uh, I'm forgetting the artist's name, but the artist who worked on him over the years with gargoyles, one of the gargoyles artists okay. are all on a panel and, and, and Greg Weissman brings up some of the stuff. And, and so apparently he and Brandon Vietti, you know, decided to team up for some pitches at Warner brothers animation. And this, the timeline's kind of hard to pin down. It sounds like this would have been around 2007 ish that mm-hmm. they started teaming up for these things because he talks about that they pitched Green Lantern, a Green Lantern series that then kept getting pushed back because the movie, the Green Lantern mm. film, kept getting pushed back. And so it was it was kind of to tie in on that, although it did not star Hal Jordan. He doesn't say who his starred, but my guess is Kyle Rayner uh, right. as the main character. He just says it was not Hal. Right. Hmm. And the the timeline on on this and the Space Ghost, because they were doing both, is that they went to Green Lantern first and then like worked on that a month. And then the Warner Brothers animation execs like, okay, like you're not working on Green Lantern anymore. Like that got pushed back. How about Space Ghost? Mm. <laughs> and so then they're like, we got super excited about Space Ghost. Like loved what we were doing on Space Ghost <laughs> and worked for a month on Space Ghost until the uh, Warner Brothers animation execs and register came back and he's like, okay, you're not working on Space Ghost anymore. <laughs> Like consumer products didn't doesn't right. want it, meaning they couldn't. Mattel didn't want to make toys uh, for yeah. Space Ghost, is Ooh. what that meant, and <laughs> and that is literally why that one was killed. Because at that point in time, everything was toy driven. Everything right. they were working on, all the action cartoons, and if Mattel, quote unquote, consumer products wouldn't put up the money, then it wasn't getting made. Gotcha. Yeah, so they worked on that for about a month, and then after that, they developed Young Justice. <laughs> hmm. Right. So we got Young Justice out of it. So that's great. <laughs> sure. I love well, that. I mean, I, you know, I'm glad we got Young Justice, but I, I would still I would still love to see, you know, we get a little of that in Brave and the Bold and that one teaser, that one opener bit where you yeah. get Batman and mm-hmm. the Space Ghost and then the kids and everything blip, but that's it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just it, it it hurts me because I think there's such a great team together. Mm-hmm. I think I think that, you know, from Young Justice, I think, which, you know, to me, just, you know, I mean, the, the story just gets bigger and bigger and heavier and heavier. And there's like, they're always adding more to it. I would have loved to have seen how they would have, you know, because they're also super faithful to stuff, too. So how they would have played with all the traditional Space Ghost stuff and then 
just pile story on top of it, you know? Right. Like, give us a big Space Ghost universe. Yeah. Like, delve yeah, deep yeah. into some of those little things that we only well, saw. Well, I mean, in- I, you know, in the comics with the Jeff Parker stuff, that the, the, when they sort of did their Hanna-Barbera superhero universe, where oh, they did, right, like, right, yeah. where they tied, like, you know, Frankenstein Jr. and the, and the, and the Galaxy Trio and Space Ghost. I mean, it'd be interesting to see how that they, they would have played with all that stuff, too. Right. The DC Future Quest. Yes. That yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like bring in Galaxy Trio and, and oh, all God, the other space so ones. Cool. Yeah. Herculoids, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. All that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. The comic even had like, uh, was it uh, Mitor, the, the caveman superhero? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 They were the same hat, Mitor and Space Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Mitor was of... like the caveman version of yeah. Space Ghost, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See? Right there. Oh, man. Weissman of Yeti would have been so great. With the oh, if only, but okay. So Clifton, you brought up Green Lantern, right? Mm-hmm. And and you had said that, you know, the the movie that the, the movie the Ryan Reynolds movie had some interest for them to do an animated series to coincide with it. Which again, this happens all the time, right? We got Superman the animated series because of the Tim Burton Super Death of Superman movie that was supposed to happen. Oh, wow. But didn't. Yeah. But that that was the reason we got Superman the animated series. Yeah. Um that's a fi- I'm fine with that trade. Yeah, me too. Me too. You had to yeah. have one. Right. Oh yeah. Um but so there was another Green Lantern show in development. A, a, a little fuzzy. I don't know if this was before Weissman or Fietti got to it or after. I'm not sure, but Tony Schiavone and Spike mm-hmm. Brandt did right. also a development on a Green Lantern animated series? No, this would have been before, actually. Okay, it's coming It's coming back to me. This would have been way before. This is about 10 years at least. Right, okay. Earlier. So, Tony Schiavone and Spike Brandt are, you know, long time, long time creators at Warner Brothers. They worked on Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, mm-hmm. uh, which is my favorite thing for them. But, you know, they like all the straight-to-video, like Tom and Jerry stuff, all the straight-to-video, yeah. Scooby-Doo, like Scooby-Doo and... Uh, you know, I don't know, Samurai Warriors or whatever, like <laughs> they, they, they worked on all of these. So, you know, and, and they go back to like Tiny Toons working right. at Wonder Brothers. So they had yeah. a, they had a pitch and developed Green Lantern also. Right. Um, and yeah, like the timeline's a little fuzzy, but it was before they did Duck Dodgers. Right. Which was on the air in 2003. So right. it was a Green Lantern pitch that they'd done before they started production on Duck Dodgers, which aired yep. in 2003. Yep. No, and that's when it was coming back to me too, because uh, which I'll get into. It. I'll, I'll I'll let you set it up, Clifton, and then I'll get into how I remember Duck Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, like this one, it's fascinating to me that that they that Warner Brothers in DC had kept trying to pitch Green Lantern multiple times, and then we didn't get one until the the Bruce Tam, John Carlo Volpe, and was it James Krieg? Is he? Yep. And James yeah. Krieg's uh, Green Lantern in the animated series, which started around. 2011 2012 but they had been attempting multiple times before that to get it going and this one also featured kyle rayner instead of hal jordan because it would have been around that time in the comics when hal jordan was not around and kyle rayner was our green lantern but what's really interesting about this one is it was discussed on a podcast with paul dini from 2012 i think so the podcast even was a long while back but Paul Dini described their Kyle Rayner as looking like Wart 
from Disney's A Sword in the Stone. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. And that's what they were going for. Like they yep. were, their, their thinking was like, what if we made a Green Lantern show that looked like, like a 60s Disney animated film, <laughs> like, okay. like a Don Bluth, like they were going right. for a Don Bluth, like Dragon's Lair is specifically what they said. <laughs> that's not a bad look. Yeah, right. or or the Walt Paragoy was the Walt Disney artist that was on the 60s stuff, like like 101 Dalmatian. So they were trying to go capture the spirit of of like Don Bluth and Walt Paragoy and, and that feel of like the, the kind of like the rough drawn and, and Dragon's Lair specifically was what they referenced, which I thought was funny that they don't reference Space Ace, which was Don right. Bluth's yeah. space adventure <laughs> show. But what I think it was is that their working title and what they had in mind for this one was the Emerald Knights. So mm. they were really leaning into like a Knights aesthetic, like a space Knights aesthetic. And, and so that's where they ended up. But uh, yeah, Paul Dini describes their version of Kyle is kind of looking like Ward. I said, and uh, the description he says was that like, you got the idea that the hero was a kid who really was swept up in more than he could handle as, okay. as Kyle Rayner being, you know, swept up in in the Green Lantern Corps and everything. Right. And then Tony Savoni and uh, Spike Brandt said everyone thought they were crazy for trying to make a superhero <laughs> movie that right. looked like Sword in the Stone, but they thought it would have been awesome. Right. It sounds like it would have been. Yeah. yeah. I, I can get an idea of what it would look like in my head, but that looks yeah. pretty cool. I would love to see art from this. Yeah. I would love I would to see too. art from this. You know. Which from the podcast, we know it existed. It's just like, it's not online that any of us right. can find. Like, man, Warner Brothers needs to do an art book. Yeah. Like, like that, like that Disney book that I said came out in 95. It's just like, like all the unused art project, like development art from stuff that never happened. Right. Uh, right. Because apparently they have a whole vault of it. Like yeah, they have this whole library of it at Warner Brothers that in the same podcast, like the, these guys, Paul Dini and Tony Cerrone and, and, and Spike Grant mentioned just going into this library to see like these past projects that never happened at Warner brothers. And we're going to bring one up here, which was, even though we're talking about shows, this was for a feature animation <laughs> that never happened, but was in development. And that was new gods. Apparently Warner brothers is developing new gods for an animated feature at some point. I don't know when, huh. but what they tell us is that there is art in this vault somewhere at Warner brothers that is concept art for new gods by Mobius and Mike Mignola for an animated <laughs> wow. feature. Right. <laughs> wow. And they said feature money. Yeah. Feature huh. money specifically. Like, so it was like high budget animation. Yeah. What, when are we, what, when are we talking? Like what years? I mean, it would have been, I mean, they're talking about it in, we are like, this podcast is from 2012. That we okay. heard them talking about it. Huh. And they're talking about it like it was a while before that. So sometime okay. in the 90s, maybe. Wow. <laughs> can you imagine that? No. Can you imagine can you imagine <laughs> Mobius just just drawing the new gods anyway? Well, that would be cool. No, I can see that again. I can see that, but the idea of And Mignola had the connection because of Cosmic Odyssey, the comet. Sure. Yeah. Uh, sure. was how he got drawn into it. Well, I mean it's one of those when, you know, when we talk about I always want to. I always think about mentioning Cosmic Odyssey as a, as a you know one of the ones they should do, but I never think about it. And I was hoping when they were gonna, if when New Gods was still talked about as being a movie, right, that we would possibly get you know some kind of Cosmic Odyssey type you know direct 
direct to video or direct uh, to video. That's how old it is. Direct to Blu-ray or direct to you know streaming or whatever. Right. But no, that's a that sounds fantastic. I just wish yeah. you know I would want either we could see the art or it existed one or the other. Yeah, right. Uh, I want to see what else is in this vault. I know, right? right? Um, uh, the Goonies, the Goonies show that's in <laughs> right. the vault too. <laughs> yeah. At one point, they were heavy into development on a Goonies animated series. Yep. Wow. That was developed by Tony Cervoni and Spike Brandt. And the timeline, again, kind of unclear on when this actually was. We're just hearing about them talk about it after the fact. Um, but they talked about their designer for the development was Steven Silver. Steven Silver was the lead character designer on Kim Possible. Mm. Also worked with them on Mystery Incorporated as a character designer. Uh, He's really good. I like uh, Steven Silver a lot. I know early in his career, he worked as a caricature artist, like on a boardwalk. Oh, wow. Like Santa Monica Pier or something like that. And and got a lot of practice at Mm -hmm. likenesses and cartoonish likenesses. And like that's gone with him into his career. And he's really a gifted caricaturist. So they said that they were developing the Goonies and brought in Steven Silver and, you know, said, you know, design us. Design us the kids, design us the whole lot of them. And like he came back and they said, like, unusually, normally they'll get designs back and there's notes and they'll be like, oh, like this one's good, but you know, do this or do that. And they're like, not this time. They're like, he nailed it. Like one try. Wow. <laughs> like every character was like spot on, ready to go, ready to be animated. And, and then it did not happen. And he said, like, everyone was behind it. Everyone was excited about it. It sounded like Richard Donner was on board, director Hmm. of Goonies. Like everyone was behind it. And then the problem, this is one where we kind of have an idea of what happened to it, but it sounds like the problem they ran into was licensing likenesses from the actual actors. Yeah. Because like I said, Steven Silver is a very gifted caricaturist Mm. and cartoonist and could make these like simple like very simplified, you know, caricature versions of the actors. And you look at them and you're like, yep, that's totally still Josh Brolin. Like That's <laughs> totally Sean Astin. That's totally Corey Feldman. And so they, they had a dilemma of like, if we can't get the likenesses, if they can't go along, if they won't go along with it, do we change the designs to not look like them, which would often happen right. in yeah. cartoons. So you'd end up with cartoon characters that didn't look at all like the, the, actors who portrayed these same characters in films because they couldn't clear likenesses and they didn't want to do that with Goonies. They wanted it to be like clearly chunk and clearly data. (laughs) They wanted to be clearly them. And I feel like that's where the project stalled and then never happened. But, but Mm. man, a Goonies cartoon would have been amazing. Again, a lot of the ideas that they were going to put into Goonies they say did work their way into mysteries incorporated, which is a great show that I love. So again, the trade off of like, we didn't get this one that would have been great, but we got this one that was great. So what are you going to do? Which they say, cause I I brought up the duck Dodgers thing, which they say in that podcast too, that a lot of their green lantern ideas made it into uh, the green loon turn, which was a short (laughs) from the duck Dodgers uh, series that they had done. Yeah, and the green loon, which, which I'm like, that doesn't look like Dragon's Lair to me. So I don't know what they're talking about. There. It's a fun episode. It's a really fun episode. Right. Well, I <laughs> mean, yeah. in that one, they were married to the Duck Dodgers style. Yeah. But they had cleared. They, they had already compiled a list of what it sounded like 121 Green Lanterns that they were <laughs> right. planning to use in their wow. other show. Yeah. That they then had already cleared permission for. 
from DC to use. So they're like, use them all here. <laughs> so they use like 121 different Green Lanterns in that Jeez. in that short. And then that one, they did get to use Hal just for the for the Duck Dodgers, the right. little short. And he's voiced by Kevin Smith. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I remember that. Yeah. Fun episode. Duck Dodgers is a great theme song, too. Right. Tom Jones. You got to love Tom Jones. And the Flaming Lips. Tom Jones and the Flaming <laughs> and Lips. And the Flaming Lips. <laughs> to the yep. theme song for Duck I Dodgers. Didn't, I didn't stutter. That's a thing, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So we got a couple more at DC over here. So let's do uh, another one that we found out about on that podcast, that, that Dini podcast. Uh, there was a Harley and Ivy show. Right. In development. Uh, what, in 2000? Yeah, right around 2000. Right? For MTV. Mm-hmm. So Paul Dini uh, on this with uh, Lynn Naylor, who we talked about Correct. also. She was she was the designer in there. But Tony Schiavone, Spike Brandt uh, were also worked on this for a little while, which is funny because Dini forgot about that. He's yeah. telling him about it. And they're like, no, 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 we worked on that with it. <laughs> that was fun. Um, Shane Glines was also on that. Shane too. Glines as well, who yeah. who's done a ton of stuff since, but mm-hmm. was more recently on Justice League Action yeah. as their lead designer. Yeah. And so um this one the kind the kind of the engine of the show that, that Deanie talked about was it was gonna be Harley and Ivy and like Amanda Waller. Mm-hmm. And Amanda Waller was gonna like send them out on missions every week. It was kind of a super like a suicide squad thing. Right. But mm-hmm. sending them out with the hope that they would die. <laughs> yes. And they keep and just and they just keep coming back every week. Right. It was like a two-person right. suicide squad right. with Amanda Waller being like, well, you got to do this, and I don't care if you live or die, so go do it. Yeah. And then they'd keep coming back. Yeah. But what's interesting about this one is like, I mean, this is the MTV animation days of like celebrity death match mm. and the head. That was a thing, right? Yes. And yeah. and Daria and Beavis and Butthead. And, and so they wanted them to push the boundaries and like, they really wanted them to like push the Harley and Ivy into push it like as far as they could is what is what Baldini describes it as. And, and they were taking some anime influences from the dirty pair animation that mm. was around in the nineties and which is an action anime. And so they just kept doing it where they're like, okay, like we'll just keep pushing it more and more and more and more. And MTV's like, yes, yes. Like push it further, push it further, push it further. Until it got to the point where DC, like they go back to DC with what they've been developing and DC is like, oh, yeah, you can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like you've gone too far. Like the fact that, as, as Paul Dini explained it, he's like the fact that like we, we wouldn't ever push Batman this far. Mm-hmm. And the fact that these characters are tangentially all cl- connected to Batman means you can't push them that far either. And that wow. was the end of, of that MTV project. And again, it's a funny thing of how it all comes around and how times have changed because fast forward almost 20 years later mm-hmm. and DC is like the one wanting to push the boundaries with Harley and Ivy for DC universe itself for a show they right. produced themselves, which started on DC universe, Harley Quinn and is now on HBO max. And they're the ones being like, push it. No, push it further, yep. push it further. So it is <laughs> funny how the cycles go around. Sounded fun though. Yeah. Sound, sounded really cool. Yeah, I mean, it was ahead of the curve on the Suicide Squad stuff being used because this wasn't like Task Force X hadn't even shown up in Justice League cartoon yet. Right. 
Exactly. And yeah, and this is long before Harley was a member of the Suicide Squad too. Which, right. Yeah. yeah. So it hadn't been seen before. Like her and Amanda Waller hadn't been seen much teamed up outside of comics. If it happened in comics, which I'm not sure about. Yeah. So, okay. So we got one more from DC. Um, Batman No Man's Land. Okay, this one I don't know about. And I've actually never read the comic, so it's pitched the story. <laughs> so, well, actually, I didn't like the comic uh, when, I was a, when I was younger. I remember, like, I was all in for the, for the earthquake stuff. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, No Man's Land, when they started the idea that, like, that Gotham was sort of on its own and, like, separated, like, for, from the rest of the country because it was, like, it was, it was deemed, like, like, too far gone and beyond yeah. helping. Right. For me, like however old I was when this came out, like that, like that was just kind of a bridge too far for me. I'm like, all right, that sounds goofy. I didn't realize what they were doing at the time because it was also a little ahead of its time. You know, I I realize now what they're doing is post-apocalyptic Batman. Right. Right. Which sounds awesome to me. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So this one actually got tried twice. And the first time was was with James Tucker actually who did brave and the bold and um the the new 52 shared universe dc animated movies um that just wrapped up recently with apocalypse war so he was attached to the first go around of this there's one or two pieces of concept art out there which which are really cool looking i think nightwing looks a little weird because they they did something funny with his mask he doesn't wear a domino mask he's got like he's got like um like a handkerchief over his mouth like a, a face covering it covers his nose and his mouth which is you know <laughs> okay. just like oh, that's weird but um but yeah so apparently this didn't happen because it was again like deemed not kid-friendly enough right mm. and so i believe i remember reading also that that james tucker was also like i just did a batman cartoon i don't know if i want to do another one so close mm-hmm. um and so they tried this again. That was supposed to be traditional like 2D animation. And then they wanted it, they tried it again, like as a CG animated Batman show, which I remember at the time that they were like really trying, like push hard to get into more like CG animated stuff on television, which again, common thing that you see no man's land didn't happen, but you know, we got it in the, in the vein of beware the Batman a couple of years mm-hmm. later. Right. So, yeah, this would have been a fun one, I think, too. I think, you know, I'm a little stunned that after all this time, this one hasn't even been done as a movie yet. Yeah. You know, that's surprising. There's still time. They make four of those a year, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's only a matter of time. We'll get there. Hopefully it's a two parter. (laughs) But yeah, no, I just think it'd be so much fun to do as a show too. just, you know, to have the elbow room to really like build up you know, like the turning of the tide, because that was a big thing, like, like gang territories, right? Like this is, this right. is like poison Ivy had like the park and it was all like overgrown and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, and, and Gordon was still in there with the cops and they were kind of, you know, they had like this territory. It was, it was neat. So I just think that would have been fun as a show. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to move on. We're going to move out of DC to, uh, there was a Buffy, the animated series in development for a little while. <laughs> yes. So Tommy, I'm going to, I'm going to jump to you on this one. Okay. Well, no, but I think this was being developed during what Fox kids during that time frame. I think early two thousands mm-hmm. in which Fox agreed to develop the show and push it forward. Whedon with, um, Lowe, executive producers on the show. 
Yeah, Jeff Loeb. But the the crazy part is how many people were involved in it and how far they got them with production before it was decidedly canceled. At one point, um, when Fox Kids ceased operations, I guess that's what they wanted to put it on. But when that whole format of cartooning on Fox stopped, decided to shop the show to other networks, nothing. No one bit. Hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. They came up with six scripts and everyone but the lead agreed to um do the voices on the show. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what's crazy is you can still see the um I guess a teaser pilot of it on YouTube. It's still out there. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. A four minute pilot. Was there a Buffy video game a little bit before this? Yeah, there's like chaos something. There was a video game? Okay. This sounds familiar actually now that you're now that you're because I think yeah, right. Sarah Michelle Geller didn't want to come back for it, but they were talking about getting the voice from the video game to be Buffy. Yeah, I yeah, think the, in this, the, yeah. yeah, she already voiced what uh, Chaos Bleeds or Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Those are two Buffy mm-hmm. video games that came out. They made her do the lead. Would have been cool. Yeah. yeah, I know that like Dark Horse adapted like some of the the look from it mm-hmm. for a couple issues or like a, like a storyline. Oh uh, yeah, I remember. I remember seeing those comics. That they did that, but that was about as far as it went besides just the little teaser they did. Yeah, at some point in time, Jeff Loeb revealed that there were 13 scripts of the mm. animated series, and, yeah. and some of them were written by, besides Jeff Loeb and Joss Whedon, Jane Espenson from the show, right? Steve DeKnight, Drew Greenberg, uh, <laughs> Doug Petrie, and Rebecca Kirshner. So basically a lot of like the Buffy and Angel writers. Yeah. Wow. So a lot of the regular writers were doing the scripts for these. It was basically Buffy continued <laughs> right. is what it was. It was, well, it was, I think season, it was season eight or whatever. Well, I think it was going to be supposed to be, they were actually supposed to be in and around the time where they were still in high school, I think. Yeah, it takes place oh, um, okay. in the middle of season one. Oh, okay, yeah, there, yeah, it's it's kind of oh, like stuff, okay. stuff we stuff that we didn't see. Untold yeah. tales, untold tales of Buffy. Right, that's right. Sort of like the idea for it. So they would continue it that way. That's too. That bad. sounds fun. Oh yeah, yeah, it does sound fun. Yeah, I would have been into. It. Was Buffy on the air at the time when they were when this was happening, or was it? Did it like just recently wrap up at this time? Um, I mean, it says development began on the show in two thousand and one. I don't know what the Buffy timeline was right. for 2001, but that's when this animated series began development. When did Buffy end? Like 2003? I believe so. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. <laughs> but it sounds cool. All right. So mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to go and um, we did a lot of DC love. We're going to give Marvel some love uh, for one. <laughs> one thing that we know about for sure was that in the 90s, um saban entertainment that did like x-men the animated series and um i think the the silver surfer cartoon was them they they had a captain america that was in (laughs) development and there was even um i'm not sure if it's if it's test footage or like a short pilot or a proof of concept or something but there's there's like a two minute animation bit that you could find on youtube that's pretty cool looking yeah the story that i saw as to why it didn't happen um actually frank you got you got kind of an interesting little tidbit about this well yeah they they decided that steve rogers was going to be not as the 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 character's actual name it was kind of be like uh for for 
protecting his real identity. They were going to say he was Steve Rogers, but it was actually a character called Tommy Tompkins. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which doesn't, I mean, it's not like it's, you know, anybody else who was ever Captain America or whatever, when, you know, the numerous people that have been Cap, it, it was kind of right. like, you know, no one really understood why they didn't, they didn't just call him Steve Rogers. Yeah, that's an odd choice. Right. It is. Yeah. So. Yeah, and judging from from the, the development footage that it, it would have taken place in World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really? that's another, okay. that's another like kind of rumored, like they didn't know how to get around. Like, like so what are we doing? Nazis on, on Saturday right. morning? Right. How are we getting around that? Which is, which is funny to me that like, that, like, why wouldn't you just do Hydra? Yeah. Like, they like, haven't thought sure. of that yeah, the, workaround yet. Yeah. The movie, the movie, the movie thought of that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, I mean, it's also interesting because now I'm wondering about the that final season of X-Men the animated series. You remember like the last 6 episodes when when the production studios kind of changed and the overseas animators changed cuz it's like 6 episodes that look different mm. from the rest of the show's run. But there's a Captain America episode in there where you see he teams up with Wolverine in World War World War 2. Okay. Right, right, and yeah. Right. I'm curious, yeah, an episode called Old um is it Old Soldiers? I got to look it up. I sound stupid now. I had it in my head and it flew out of <laughs> no, my head. That sounds right. I think that's it. Is it okay? Um, I think I'm wondering if that was like a backdoor pilot. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it could have been to this, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean the 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 word that I saw is John Semper Jr., who was the executive producer on Spider-Man the animated series. He he says that Marvel's like shaky financial situation at the time was what ultimately like did it in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Old Soldiers is the name of the episode. You're right. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, that was about the time Marvel was filing for bankruptcy in the late '90s. Yeah, but that was that would have been the take their take on the Jim Lee issue, where Cap and, and Wolverine team up, and then you find out that With they're protect- Black Widow. Yeah, they're protecting mm-hmm. a younger uh, Natasha. Yeah, yeah, which is a great issue. It's classic cover mm-hmm. from that time. But I could see that. I could see with the fact that Warner, that uh, Warner Brothers that Marvel was going with through with um, all that bankruptcy stuff. Yeah. That they didn't want to do that. Yeah. Plus the idea of, you know, like you said, they didn't just sub Hydrian for <laughs> for Nazis. But. All right. So we have a, a, a quick third category and this is pilot. So this is this is, um, you know, shows where an actual pilot was made. And then didn't get picked up. So mm. um, we'll stick with Marvel and we'll go to our favorite uh, Pride of the X-Men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which i believe we gushed about last week but we'll do it again here right. yes <laughs> we didn't get to go too far into it last time right i did find actually like some some art for this today okay actually okay. which 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 i you know uh cliff that i texted you that stuff because i just thought like i just thought you would think it was cool it was actually like um it was it was the size comparisons of all the characters and stuff and like it's it's right. it's neat looking god this thing is so cool yeah, um, it was a model sheet uh, right. for all the character designs for the animation, but set like had height markers to show you what all their heights were and actually did write heights, which has one really, really weird one. Like everybody, you're going along. It's like Kitty's 5'3", and you're like, oh, yeah, checks out. Like uh, Juggernaut's what, like eight feet? Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, like yeah. that, that checks out. Like he's a big guy. Magneto, they list as 6'10". Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's got he's got lifts in his shoes. Yeah, they list Magneto as the same height as Colossus. Right. 
I'm like, oh, I don't know about that one, yeah. but uh, I guess he was a big guy. He's wearing platforms. Yeah. So I, I seem to remember seeing this. I don't know where I saw that particular, I mean, I'm sure you, like you said, you can find it on the internet, but I remember around the time it was being done, I want to say it was in Marvel Age, which was kind of like Marvel's um, cheap, sort of like, here's what we're doing throughout the line right, like for their the month. monthly previews-ish comic. Right. Had like, yeah. I want to say it had that same artwork, but it's either that, was there ever an art book for just part of the X-Men? Not that, okay. Not that I know of. Not that I know of. So maybe that's where I'm remembering it from. X Men: The Animated Series. So I don't okay. know if it got tied into that because I mean, in some some circles, some people do consider this to be the pilot of the Saban X Men Animated Series that we ultimately got, which mm. which okay. is uh, odd to me because I mean they're separated by three years, four years, something like that. And a studio, because part right. of the X-Men was done by Sunbow yeah, Entertainment yeah. and not Saban. Yeah. It is just, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous 22 minutes of animation. <laughs> yeah, Sunbow. Sunbow could do some great looking stuff, especially using like optical effects. Yeah, And right. so like the special effects has like that glow, that nice like mm-hmm. 80s analog animation glow to it. Yep. Like I remember Magneto's like energy waves when he's making like his his magnetic force field. Like it looks so good. Yeah. And the explosions look great. Like every explosions look like a million bucks. Yeah. We got Asteroid M had everything. Yep. It was very, very much like the X-Men arcade game. Yes. Well, yeah. So that was the thing is that the X-Men are like when they made the Pride of the X-Men pilot, they were expecting that to go. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. To the fact that they had other merchandise lined up for it already. Mm. They like the X-Men arcade game that came out a little bit later, but featured the exact lineup yeah. mm-hmm. of X-Men from Pride of the X-Men, which was, you know, a lot of your expected ones, Cyclops, Wolverine, Storm, Nightcrawler, Colossus. Were they all in the game? Yes. And then the sixth one, because it was the sixth player game, is the more unusual choice of Dazzler right. as the design from the Pride of the X-Men uh, <laughs> animated series. Right. With the headband and the leather mm. jacket. Yes. Yeah. It's a very Jim Lee design. It is. And it I don't is, even know if he did it. I don't even know if he did that design, I, but it looks like him. I'm pretty sure that design, when when in her own book, when they move away from the, the disco era, Dazzler, mm-hmm. like her first appearance, I want to say it was Jackson Geis was the one that was doing the artwork, and I'm pretty sure he designed that costume. I could be wrong, okay. Okay. but I'm pretty sure remembering at the time the covers for the, the different look when she had the headband and switched to that. Um, is it streaming anywhere? Oh, it's a good question. I don't know. I know it's on YouTube. Yeah, right. I know you it's can on watch the whole episode. Yeah, on you YouTube. can watch it all okay. on YouTube. Okay. I don't know if it's official anywhere. What I, what I love about it, too, from a writing perspective, um, is I love how like Kitty Kitty is sort of you know the audience entry character, mm-hmm. right. right? And I love how Professor X is is like takes her into like the observation deck of the danger room, and that this is our introduction to the rest of the cast. Like in that right. moment, you're seeing all the X Men, and this is their name, this is their power, and this is something cool that they could do like in this danger room scenario that they're all in, and it's just like really right. really well done. I. Like, I can't say enough good things about this. I did see Bruce Tim talk about this in, in, in an interview with Comixology magazine, and he was saying that this was kind of made at the time when G.I. Joe was big, Transformers mm-hmm. was big, a lot of those like toy line based things 
were coming out and going strong. And right. it was just like, it just was like a superhero cartoon was just illegal. Like at the time <laughs> for the appetite that they thought like, just, just like nobody was interested in anything that was based on a comic book, based on, based on superheroes. I mean, this is, you know, I, the, the next closest thing to this in timeline would have been Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Mm-hmm. Probably. Right. Which was, yeah. Like what? 1980 Ten years earlier. Yeah. yeah. Like nine, nine, eight or nine years earlier. Yeah. So, yeah, but no, can't, can't say enough good things about it. We should do a spotlight on this, but <laughs> <laughs> I was ready for it. I remember when I like learned it was airing and it aired every once in a while as part of the Marvel animation block, like the Marvel action hour or whatever they called it on Saturday mornings. And I would set my VCR to record it every Saturday until I got it right? because they would cycle <laughs> and show different things each week. So right. I was so excited to like check the tape. Then and it was like, actually oh, there. Dino Riders. Right. Yeah. Dino Riders again. <laughs> Robo, Robocop again. Right. And then one day, finally, it was Pride of the X-Men. Nice. Does have a Stan Lee cameo, too. He's the narrator. Yep. So, yeah, it checks that box, too. Head of its time <laughs> in that believers. way. Right. That's right. All right. So um, we're going to switch over to, to DC really quick. So yeah, moving back to DC, and and we mentioned DC Nation earlier, the Saturday morning block where they would run shorts, and I and I don't know if they ever claimed they were using this as a testing ground for proof of concepts, but we know they were because Teen Titans Go came out of it as shorts right. on that before it became the Teen Titans Go series that has been running ever since. Right. Uh, so I think like they were not explicitly saying these were these were trial balloons but if something landed if something or or something took off then they were willing to go with it and one of those was the amethyst series of shorts that Mm. ran in dc nation which were directed by uh, animator brianne drewhard and and they are a lot of fun you can find them online i think officially from either dc on their youtube or warner brothers animation i can't remember where but you they are available online officially and it was just a fun take, very different than what the original Amethyst comic book was at DC. And what was that? The early 80s? Yes. Like 80, 83. 83. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and those comics you can find, I believe, on, on DC Universe Infinite. I think you can find the old original comics, which was like kind of a Shira type of, of series, if I remember right. Uh, this one was playing off of video games and like love of video games, especially love of of video game, role-playing games, video RPGs. And it was just like a fun little like cute action adventure with some heart and like some cool designs of this character, you know, who ended up in this fantasy world, just kind of like playing along with this adventure she found found herself in. Uh, It was one of the more popular things from DC nation and did gather interest. To the point that Warner Brothers Animation was like fully developing it for a series and and considering what they did for DC Nation is to be basically the pilot. Uh, so they were going full in on that. And I believe I heard her say that they had planned out one, if not two seasons in additional to what we had gotten as the, the DC Nation thing. Uh, eventually it was so not picked up uh, by Cartoon Network. So they were trying to shop it to Cartoon Network, but Cartoon Network 
eventually after a lot of development declined on it. I think the reason being is that Steven Universe was coming up in Cartoon Network at the same time, Mm -hmm. and Cartoon Network felt the two projects were just too similar. Right. And so they opted to go with with Steven Universe that they were developing themselves, I believe is what happened to it. Which, yeah, which features a character named Amethyst. Yeah, kind of a similar feel show and also had an Amethyst of its own in that show. So that's what happened to that one. Um, Brian Drewhard, after that, had been doing a webcomic series called Harpy G for years. Mm-hmm. And it was a similar in tone to Amethyst. It was like a, like a fun, heart-filled, cute fantasy series. Also playing on, like that, the title itself is a play on RPG for role-playing games. <laughs> and Nickelodeon picked that one up to develop in their shorts program. So there is a short online that you can see from Nickelodeon of that, which is a program that Nickelodeon would often use to, to basically develop pilots for shows. So it was made in that in 2018. So she has had a couple attempts and like, I love her stuff and I hope one of these lands and, and somebody gives her a chance because she does a lot of great stuff. Yeah, she does. And you can see both of those, both the Amethyst shorts and the RPG short from Nickelodeon. All right, so that wraps it up for our pilot section. So we are going to start wrapping it up, and we're going to go around and say, uh, out of everything that we said, which is the one that we wish the most happened. But first, if you like the show, you could check out all of our episodes on YouTube and let me know how it is dot com. Just please, however you find us, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. And finally, if you have any ideas for topics, you can leave a suggestion on Twitter or in the comments. Our Twitter handle is our show's initials: L M K H I I. All right. Who wants to go first? It's a lot to pick from, a lot of really good stuff to pick from. I'm having a hard time, so I'm not going first. <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff. I mean, one of the ones that like jumped out at me and immediately just spoke to the, you know, eight-year-old me, and uh, like eight-year-old me would have been so excited about is the Emerald Knights. The, <laughs> okay. Which was the Green Lantern pitch that we talked about from Tony Cervoni and and Spike Brandt which was the Green Lanterns done in the style of Don Bluth and yeah. Dragon Slayer and Sword in the Stone. And every one of those things was something I loved, <laughs> like loved, loved, loved growing up. I loved the Sword in the Stone. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> and one. I loved uh, everything Don Bluth. I remember being so excited when we'd occasionally get to see Dragon Slayer or, or Space Ace, the cartoon, and or 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 glimpsing it in the video arcade, mm-hmm. but not having the whatever exorbitant amount of quarters it took at the time it was <laughs> out. So I just watch other people play it because, because it was an expensive video game to play. Yes, but yeah, like just everything about those. Like if I was a kid and that was had been made, uh, like uh, yeah, I would have loved it. I loved all those source inspirations they were going for, and I love Green Lantern and the Green Lantern Corps. So. It's just like tons of my favorite things all rolled into one thing, just in the idea of it. So definitely would have liked to have seen that. Give it to me in an art book at the very least. I'm telling you, Warner Brothers, there's so much money of mine you can make if you just like start putting this stuff out in book form too. Yeah. Uh, All right, Frank, Tommy, you guys, you guys pick yours yet? Um, If I had to decide, it'd probably be Pride of the X-Men. Okay. You want to see that continue on as the show? Well, just because you had X-Men at the height of their popularity or right not just right before the Zenith, which is the Jim Lee era. 
Mm-hmm. And when we got a fully realized show, it wasn't edited. It was debuted widely spread, but it just never connected. It's like I get with Clifton's idea. It's we never get to see who voices the animation. Uh, it's all conceptual. But here we had a show that they just didn't pull the trigger on. They just made right. enough for a pilot that they advertised widely. And this is during my childhood when that came out. So mm-hmm. it's kind of sad to see something that they tell you is going to happen, show you it's going to happen, show you how good it's going to happen, and something that you love at the time that you're loving it. But just don't do it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, Frank, you're up. Um, this was tough. There's a lot of really good choices out there. Um, I think just because we haven't had this character in a while that I would go with Space Ghost <laughs> in that yep. particular form of being, you know, super heroic. Like that was the Jeff Parker book uh, really scratched that itch for me, you know, mm-hmm. but it was one of those things where I would love to see him animated again. Not that I didn't love, you know, I didn't enjoy Space Ghost, Ghost, Ghost. I, I just wanted him back <laughs> in being, you know, you want to be a heroic. hero? Not- yeah, not, doing all that cool David stuff. David Letterman. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that's what I would go with that one. I mean, I would, if, that, if I could choose to, I would go with um, the Superman family in a heartbeat. But I think just because we had, you know, like I said, that the Tomasi book and the Super Sons book as well, I, I would, I would just have to go with Space Ghost for now. Okay. I am surprising myself by not picking a Batman project and what? not picking a Gendy Tartakovsky project. What? Who are you? I'm picking mixed nuts. I want that Hanna-Barbera <laughs> yeah. Looney Tunes thing so bad. Sure. I want to see what it's like when Snagglepuss meets up with Porky Pig. Right. right? And when Daffy Duck meets up with Huckleberry Hound. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Rates itself. Come on, Hulu. Don't let me mm-hmm. down, Hulu. Make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, HBO Max. HBO or Max. HBO Max. Sure. I'll take it any way I can get it. Come on. <laughs> All right. This is a fun one. Okay, listeners, hit us up on Twitter or in the comments. Let us know which one of these shows you wish had been made. As always, we'll post links and examples to everything we talk about on LetMeKnowHowItIs.com. Please remember to like us and follow us on social media. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening.